We'll be following Willie Moore and Moore. Back in the NRL. There's Willie Mays. That's forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25 minute man. Oh, you got skills, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Two fancy for that. Welcome to episode number 11 of The Take with Willie Mason, and it has been a big week, Willie, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's, um, like the saga continues, doesn't it? It's just, it's never ending. It's, it's, I mean, there's anti-vaxxers, there's people not wanting to play. I mean, you just join it. It's just, I can't really put a finger on it. I'm trying, I try and try and do a little, we try, every week, don't we? We try and get topics and go, okay. We will talk about this a little bit. We'll talk about this a little bit. We don't even do that anymore because of the amount of shit that's happening now. Can I just – you know my favourite part of NRL this week is I don't know if people have seen the footage. Obviously, you and I are pretty big fans mm. of Mike Tyson. <laughs> so Mike Tyson's on the internet now throwing what is what can only be described as one of the most scary combinations ever yeah. thrown by 53-odd. All of a sudden, the NRL go, you know what? Sonny Bill's going to fight him. Paul yeah. Gallen's going to fight him. No one in – he would kill someone. I'll read you a quote of what he said. It may not be over yet. Anything's possible. I feel unstoppable now. The gods of war have reawoken me, ignited my ego and want me to go to war again. So what he wrote. I feel like I'm young again. Fuck that. Fight, imagine the, fighting him. Why would, you, why would you do that? I mean, no I, I, get, I get it. You can say, yeah. I mean, Barry Hall probably said the best thing all week. He, he come out and goes, look – Everyone's been throwing Barry Hall's name, Paul Gallen, Sonny Bill, because Australian media just sort of do that for clickbait and they got no fucking content. But he come out on his social media and just said, look, I've said nothing about me fighting Mike Tyson. He goes, if I had the opportunity, I probably would because it would be just such a great thing to fight Mike Tyson. Would I win? Fuck no, pretty much. But, I mean, like a lot of other players, I mean, you're chucking Sonny Bill's name in there, you're chucking Paul Gallen's not, these guys aren't asking to fight Mike Tyson. It just I mean, that's just the way Australian media are. They just we're just running out of content at the moment. And Tyson's throwing fucking left hooks and right fucking hooks like an animal. And he said things like that. So all of a sudden, all our best sports people that can actually put a couple of combos together can fight Mike Tyson. I heard you want to fight him. I would not fucking. I want to get his autograph. That's it. <laughs> Do you know the funny? I've thing met as him well. before. I've met him before. Have and you? He's a fuck. Yes, I have. He never told me that. Yeah, his hands are monstrous, mate. He's a big dude. So when he come out and did it, he's really – I'm good friends with Jeff Fennick, and Jeff Fennick bought him out, and that's the only reason why I met him. He was back at Jeff's house. We had a really good conversation. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a crazy dude, but he's, a, he's one of the most smart, articulate – he's everything that you think. Like when you hear him, uh, when you hear him speak, when you hear him do anything, it's just it's, – it's like one thing can piss him right off and he fucking jump on your throat. I love how. <laughs> so uh, I was just I like, like, say, hey, Mike, uh, hey, you, you want a drink? No, nah, I don't drink. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go sit in the corner. It was just like, it was just like, no, nah, I don't drink. But it was real like, this my is way. is impetuous. Yeah, my style is impetuous. <laughs> I love yeah, the way. Lennox, yeah, Lennox. I'm coming, I'm coming for, for, you. for you. I love the way that they've thrown out, oh, you can have a million dollars to fight Sonny. A million the dollars. Bloke, the bloke threw $300 million on tigers and cocaine. What's a million bucks to me? That's what I'm saying. It's a Wednesday. Yeah, it's, yeah, one million dollars. Like it's different. The Mike Tyson just say ten to twelve years ago when he was struggling for money, 
not Mike Tyson now, man. He owns a weed farm. He's got his own uh, hot hot boxing with Mike Tyson. He's got his own podcast. He don't need a million dollars. You sneeze at that shit. Give him just like he said fifty million. Then maybe Mike Tyson will come out. Don't give, don't disrespect him. Saying million dollars, who is he? Far I'd out. give Mike Tyson a million dollars not to fight me. Yes. Speaking <laughs> of people who have been in the news for the wrong reasons, Nathan Cleary. Hmm. The fines have now been lifted to thirty thousand because it's been found. I'm like, oh, I mean, Is that it's suspended at all. No, so I think he's, he's copped that. He's copped that. But okay. I mean, as you explained last week, it's it, that'll be over the period of you yeah. know a, a three year, year contract year, or something. Yeah. But it turns out he did leave his house. Yeah, it turns out he did lie. It turns out all these things. Why is it not fifty? Yeah, it should be. I mean, maybe they're they're trying to. Make a difference. Just say with, with if, if it's a thirty thousand dollar fine and it's straight up and it's not sixty uh, percent off, then it's obviously more than what Josh Adokar got and what Latrell got because they got the suspended of sixty percent, so that's twenty thousand. Yeah. So if they're sticking to the thirty thousand, I'm fine with that because it's obviously more money, and I think that's what they did. But um, it, it's really disappointing, really. I mean, he fucking lied. Danny Wilder went out there and he's got, you know, like Danny Wilder's a very reputable man. I'm, I'm close with Danny and he went out there to, with every good intention. And I know what happens before interviews. This would have been, did what happened? Should I say this or can I say that? You know, this, the interview was pretty much set up. Danny would, would have known the truth and he would have gave him an opportunity to tell the truth and he fucking lied. Mm. You know what I mean? Which is disappointing. From a person, I see I hear his dad coming out going, you know, he needs this... Um, hopefully this will make him into a great leader. He got caught. That's all. That's not making good leadership. Leadership is owning up for shit that you've already done and not lying about it. Yeah. You, do you know what I mean? You're really contradicting, contradicting leadership. It's like, you know, this should make him a really good leader. You know, he's learned from his mistakes. No, he got caught and that's it. That's, otherwise, he would not have given the fuck. He would have just kept on sliding and he would have been – Fair game. No one would have known about Nathan Cleary, but he got caught. That's the only thing. Are you going to get? Well, how do you be a leader out of that shit? I don't really give a fuck. I mean, like he's he's with that Tyro May, who shouldn't even be in the fucking game to begin with. Like the, some of this shit. I mean, like we just seen the videos what he did to these women last. I mean, just like what twenty minutes ago we watched it, and I'm like, how is that guy even in our game? Standing on girls' heads, video them. Everything like that. Like, don't try and fucking slide away because I'll never let shit like this slide, ever. Well, he you know, was so he disrespectful was... what he did. Like, so disrespectful. But he took his little suspension and you're allowed back in our game. It's the, the game that's supposed to be a privilege to play for. But you let this dirtbag in our game. Well, he's still he's still on a suspension. So he's still got two weeks to go on the suspension from that. So he was he, he went to court and, and he was – the court – provided a penalty. The NRL said, okay, you're going to have this amount of suspension as well. So he's technically still on a suspension. He and now, on a suspension. Yeah, and so now this happens again. I don't know. You just you get to a point where at what point they, they – I mean, they tossed Todd Carney out of the game for pissing in his mouth, yeah. right? And at the end of the day, that was something that he did in a, in a toilet at a pub and some idiot filmed it and he got kicked out. So at what point do you go, enough's enough, you're – not the sort of person we want in the game. 
that is the sort of this is the sort of person that should not be in the game. This is where they should be ruling with an iron fist. Like there's some things that I'll stand for, like that I will just let slide with some dumb shit. I mean like DUIs and and you know I mean like some some things that some of the guys have done over the years. It's, they've only hurt themselves. But when you see shit that's on footage of him standing on women's heads, spitting on them, calling them whatever names under the sun, and it's him, and then you let that person back in our game. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just it just makes us people just laugh at us. Like they just they honestly just laugh at us. And like you gotta check out uh Nathan Cleary's character here as well. Mm. If you did that, I'd punch your fucking head in if you're a friend. Or you know, I would never be friends with you again, let alone live with you. You know, like I'd say, hey, what sort what sort of what sort of people are you hanging out with here, man? Like I don't give a fuck. I mean, this is not a mistake. Yeah. That you make when you're drunk or you're inebriated, you've you've taken fucking drugs or I don't know what the hell what goes on. This is just this is this is what you did. Like, and I'm just like I don't I I, I struggle just to find why he's even in the game, and I just don't give a shit. I'm everyone's like, oh everyone needs a second chance. No, not with that shit. No, yeah, I know. mean violence against, but that, it's it that's a whole different kettle of fish. And I anyone who's against women, sorry, sorry, anyone who does anything like that to women disrespects them like that. I'm going to fucking come after you and I'm not going to stop. No. Well, you haven't stopped and you've been very consistent with your feelings about I tr- keep trying to not mention his name, but he keeps popping up. But one thing that um, I guess talking about character and talking about the effect of your behaviour on the game as a whole, the anti-vax thing has continued to mm. make the press. Now, we've got to a point where there's only two Titans players – that are refusing to have it, which is uh, Bryce Cartwright and 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 Brian Kelly. Nathan Peets had rejected it because he'd had a reaction to the vaccine and he has now come out and said, look, that was why I did it, but I'm happy to have the vaccine. He's had the vaccine, he's moved on. Bryce Cartwright and Brian Kelly seem to be more from a, uh, I guess, cult, a philosophical, cult. yeah, cult, whatever, a philosophical stance. The NRL's in a position as the Titans are their employer, technically what should happen is they go, I don't want to have a vaccination. The NRL goes, all right, no worries, you don't have to, but you can't play. Then they then sit out the rest of the season and they would have to get paid their contract because that's part of it. Now, the NRL don't seem to want that to happen. What they seem to want is for them to be terminated, essentially. They have to show, they've, they've been asked for a show cause. I feel like, there's a freedom of choice argument that's going on. Oh, they're forcing them. They're not forcing them. They just mm. are saying if you don't have it, you can't play. So should the NRL just go, all right, that's the way things are. They're not going to play. The Titans are going to have to cop it. They're going to have two less players in their roster and they're going to have to pay their contracts. The NRL won't cop that and neither will the clubs. But, I mean, we know we, we, we do live in a democracy you know, and I hear a lot of people coming out and I'm glad you explained that because, like, Freddie Fittler come out today going, you know, I wonder how they'll feel after, you know, if they, if they get stood down by the NRL and then, you know, then you miss two or three months pay. Your whole attitude changes, doesn't it? But if you're getting full pay from your club, what's, what, what's the problem? You know, well, you're standing up. I mean, you know, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, you just yeah, explained agreed. that then. That's what's happening. I said, if I stood up for something like that and I'm not hating on these dudes – for this is their belief. I don't give a shit what you do. Like if you stand, if you're doing this, if you stand up for it, be consistent. 
Like just do it your whole life. Don't just be. Don't just try and use this opportunity right now because of the publicity and 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 the amount of um, track that it's getting. It's it's getting a lot. You know, it's stopping the game. You know, it is. People are talking about it, and that's all these people want. Do you know what I mean? But when you just said that they can actually get paid throughout the year by standing up for something, the game will fucking hate that. They will. The game will hate it, and the Titans will hate it, and Manly will hate it. Do you know what I mean? Like because you're paying these guys, they're on some big coin, like seven fifty, six, seven hundred thousand. It's a lot of money to pay to pay, pay a player who doesn't want a flu a flu vaccine. And essentially, and that's that's what it is. Because yeah. you, I mean, if there, if there was a thing in the contract saying yeah. a pre existing contract saying you have to do this, otherwise you can't play. Yeah. Fair enough, they'd have to do it. But this is an unusual situation. It is. This so this. There would be nothing in their existing contracts around them having to have this jab. So they can't stand them down. So this well, goes to court. Well, this know? will go to court. And I didn't – I honestly my, – my argument would have been like Brad Fittler's. It would have been, okay, we'll see, we'll see if, you, if you stand up for this and, if you, and you're so righteous in two or three months when you need to pay your mortgage, yeah. when you want to live the lifestyle that you've been li- leading the last four or five years – you know what I mean? Like, and and now, if that's not going to be affected, I mean, maybe long term, long term, your your life, you, maybe your contract will be because you, no other club will sign you because yeah. you don't take a flu vaccine. And I think the whole society is going to change massively after all this coronavirus and everything settles down. There's none. It's not going to go back to a status quo or nor, normalcy at all. So everything's going to change. So, you know, in the long term, their life will be affected for what they're doing now. But if they honestly believe and they stand up for this shit, good on them. I don't like that's that's on you. I'm not going to come up and go like oh, because if you're a Muslim, if you're a Christian, you're Catholic, Catholic, anything like vegan, fucking atheist. I don't give a shit what you do. That's whatever you believe in, you do it. But be consistent with it, and keep that same energy when you when you can't get another contract and you know the and you know what's going to happen in a couple of years because of your actions now be just very say, aware just be very aware of what's happening your actions right now you are what's just say if you're Bryce Cartwright or Dylan Walker what you're standing up for right now it's it's going to be det- detrimental to your whole career well just say you're playing right you're you're playing for the titans i really actually wish you'd signed for the titans because i would have spent a lot of time in the gold coast strips but <laughs> just imagine you have signed for the titans and you've got two highly paid players in your top squad that are playing first grade that then say i don't want to do this how do you feel as a player do you support them in that or do you think you know what just have the vaccine so that we can just get on with it. You're affecting the rest mm. of the team. Like rugby league well, is a really yeah. team it's a tribal, based sport. It's a tribal sport. It's a team sport and everybody loves each other at, at training and everything like that. But something like this is new, man. There's a lot of shit going on. I mean, when I was playing, it's anti-vaccine stuff, vegans, all this sort of shit. Like well, it just wasn't happening. You know, maybe it was the start of it, maybe in 2015 or 16. There was always obviously people doing that sort of stuff. But it's very, I don't know, it's at the forefront of everything at the moment. You know, with the anti-vaxxers, they read a couple of little conspiracy things. They watch some David Ike, you know, David Ike YouTube videos, and you know, get get down that rabbit hole. I've been down there before. I watch, I know, I listen and I watch a lot of things, man. My brain, you know what I'm like. I listen and I watch things all the time. But like, do I believe that shit? 
do I believe in all this 5G stuff? Do I, am I going to sit there and protest outside of Parliament House or Melbourne or some shit like that? Like, no, because I want to be more educated about it. I'm not going to sit here and be and try and pretend that I'm educated about vaccines and stuff like that. Because do, do you feel though that they're t- they're choosing but, themselves over? Yeah, the team? they are. They are. And as and as a player, I'll be like, uh, for good mates or anything like that, or if you were just a dude that was, you know, just part of the squad, like you'd be. I don't know. I'm not sure what's. I've never been through that, and I'm. I'm I just. I'm not sure what sort of energy I'd have. I'd be disappointed in you. Yeah. Because I'm like. Because I probably know what sort of shit that you put in your body as well. Yeah. You know, like you're scared of a flu shot, but I see what you did one year ago or six weeks or ago having or pain two weeks shots. ago. Painkillers. Yeah. There's fucking uh, recreational drugs. There's alcohol. What, what do you think? Alcohol's not, not, is it good for you, alcohol? No, it's not. No, it's not, you know, but it's because it's, it's, you know, we allow it to be, you know, society deems that it's okay to have a drink. We're fine. But like you know, I'll be I'll be real skeptical of 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 what they've been doing and what sort of person they really are, and then it's like, why why the fuck are you against a flu shot for? Yeah. Like when I've seen you do a lot of dumb shit, and I know for a fact that these players that are standing up for this shit do a lot of dumb shit. So that's where I'm 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 sitting there going, wow, what is what are you doing, man? Just you're holding the game up. The game's bigger than you, and I mean, I know I know the game wants to go, you know what. Damn, you're you're dumb. We're not paying you. That's what they yeah. want to do. That's what the game wants That's to do. That's what the game. The wants game to wants do. to do that. Until you told me that before, I didn't even know they had those rights. Mm. To, they want to go. All right. Well, no jab, no play, all this sort of stuff. But they're not getting hurt. No, they're and not ta- getting hurt. Ta- and ta- taking the emotion of the fact that it's a football team and that it's you know that it's the the first code coming back. It's a simple contract law thing, as in. They haven't technically breached their contracts because mm. there's nothing about this in their contracts. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I think the Rugby League Players Association are probably going to, you know, they, they, they would – their whole thing is to support the players. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see that if they come up against the NRL, it's, it's just – it's a bad look. It'd be just fr- it's just frustrating. It'd be frustrating. It's frustrating for me. Imagine how frustrating it is for the RLPA and the NRL. You've got two people that – you know that is—is is it two, two or three? There's a few. So there's I think there's a, there's a few other people. So Dylan, in a few is Dylan other Walker, one of them. I think he's one of them. Oh, well, he's got his morals all fucked up. Drag his fucking missus and his kid across the road over a PlayStation game, but God forbid, fucking jab him with a flu shot, and he'll kick up a stink. So he wasn't too fond you know, of painkillers at yeah, one stage. Too. Fucking ODs on that. So I don't know. Check yourself, mate. We're literally now two weeks away from when the game's supposed to come back, and so. It's two weeks. So the, all of these things going on in the background, one thing that's come through now is that they're going to – that the, the rugby league is going to cost cut by bringing in one referee instead of two referees. Unbelievable. Now, A, how much money genuinely – like how much money are referees getting paid? They can't be getting paid that much. I like the badge. Badge is a good friend of mine. Well, how, well I mean – I don't think they're getting that much money. It's not six figures a year. No. I'm pretty sure. Maybe if you're the top echelon, you're you know, one or two ref, but like not these other guys that are doing it every week. I think they're getting paid by the game. I think um, – How I, much are people going to cheat if there's one ref? It's ridiculous. I mean, I, I played my whole – predominantly my whole career was one ref. And people are always very nostalgic and they're, and, and they're going back to, to pre-wrestling. That's what I hear a lot of comments. I see a lot, read a lot of comments going, oh, we're trying to eradicate wrestling. We're trying to eradicate the wrestling. And that sort of happened around about maybe 2006 or seven when Melbourne really started dominating. 
So they want, they've always wanted to get rid of it. Then the, then the two refs started happening around about maybe 9, 10. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it, it, that whole 2000, the early 2000 era, like one ref, he, he had no idea what was going on in the ruck. And then, he, and then you had to rely on the linesman. So there's a lot more variables and people just go, oh, one ref's awesome because they, you know what they see? They see Tonga beat Australia last year at one ref mm. because the Tonga ran straight for our ruck. And then, and then you know, that's why everyone, oh, it's so more, it's much more entertaining. And the English style of game, what they play is, is a lot more entertaining. I'm like, oh, well, well, depends what sort of game you want. And how many times would you have been on side with one ref? Fucking fuck all. Like seriously, like I would go back, back and the linesman wouldn't have the balls to say anything to you because he's about 16 years, not 16, 20 years old and wouldn't have the balls to do anything. And that's what linesman, linesman now is still the same. And it's like you just get back, and if they don't communicate with the ref, you're you're like a foot offside. And it's all happening so quick. And it's happened so quick. That half a meter. I mean, I remember like Adrian Morley used to shoot out. You'd never see that dude. Mm. You'd never see him. That's the guy that you you worry about. If you can't see the guy, he's going to knock you straight out. You get the ball, bang. He's flying from about four meters the other way. He would fucking empty you, like with his, (laughs) like, and you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even see him. The ruck is going to change. You need a whole preseason. To, to, to combat all these other players, you'd change your roster. You'd buy, just say, Isaac Luke, who was, wasn't on the scrap heap, but probably at the end of his career last year. But his whole game changed when they started wrestling so much. Yeah. He was like, he was, his game was like, his game was running out of dummy half, you know? But like, I think there's so many little things that's going to change. Like, just say, uh, like, like a Jason Taumalolo. Like, get him off a quick play the ball when the refs stuck around the ruck trying to. Uh, get your hands out of the ruck, you know what I mean, instead of being 10 metres back. Mm. And then the markers are a little bit crooked. He's, he destroys teams already. Do you know what I mean? Like forwards, like they'll be licking their lips. They'll be able to it, – it, and and it's, but it's different because going, going back to pre-wrestling, the only guy that is around right now that was a part of that is Cameron Smith. Yeah. He debuted in 2002. Three, four, five. So he's obviously been playing for a hundred years. But all these other kids have been in a systematic defense. Like the whole two thousand, when I debuted, tackling was not the the main thing to do. It was attack, 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 attack. Now, and then the back end of the, my career was just like it was really defensive orientated. It was like it's a 50-50 game when it was just like you could you could hit a couple of people here and there, get away with it all. You know what I mean? Like, and you'd have your, your workers here that would make you 50 tackles and then you'd have your attackers. It was it was really it was just a, such a different game. And maybe it's going to go back to that. And I think that's what everybody wants. What happens though, realistically, if they change the rules, they've 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 had this big thing about keeping the points or not keeping the points mm. and there's been two rounds. There was two rounds with two refs. All of a sudden, they change the entire rule. Yeah. Surely, like you can't have it both ways. You either keep the game the same. I think it's. I think it's silly, and what I mean, do it next year, because I said like, coaches need a whole preseason to practice. Players will change. Their rosters will change. Everything will change. Like the the people that you are picking. Like the way that you're going to train, you're going to have to be a lot fitter. If that ruck speed's a lot quicker and they're not really wrestling, mate, these guys are so fit, big. They're bigger, faster, stronger than they were 10 years ago. Yeah. When these you guys were playing. Are, yeah, they are, they're animals, man. Like You're these big. guys, like uh, Asafa Solomona, try and get that guy. No. Jason Taumalolo, you know, like, uh, 
mate, look at uh, Marty Tapao and like Fanua Blake and all these guys that were just dominating these big blokes and they can all play big minutes and they're trying to say and this is what they're trying to do they're trying to because the game's dominated by Polynesians at the moment it's like 50 to 60 percent they're trying to get these guys a little bit unsettled and trying to get this fatigue factor in but the brothers keep adapting and evolving Tal Milo couldn't play more than 20 minutes in his first couple of years plays 80 now mm. and he's as effective as anyone you know, like Andrew Fafita, he plays nearly 70 to 80 minutes. Fanua Blake, 70 to 80 minutes. They play big minutes. So it's all about t- trying to tire down the big Polynesian brothers. But it's not going to happen because they just evolve and they will adapt with the game and then just keep on going. And they're the ones that they're, they're going to they're gonna be better. The hits will be – I mean, I'm not sure what they're trying to get out of the game. I know they, they think the wrestling has ruined the game. But you have to come up with a Jake Trebojevic tackle perfect tackle tech, hit right in the guts, per, like get you on your back. Good luck trying to do that for, for 80 minutes. It's going to be – I mean, I think the game will open up. It'll be, it'll be, a, lot, it'll be a lot more entertaining. To be honest, if, if what they're saying is that it's literally to save money, then it's the it's, biggest it's, it's not a, of it's, all time. It's stupid. I feel sorry for the refs. It's not, a, it's, not a, a money, like it's not a money saver, but I just think my point is go, they need a whole preseason. Guys like Des Hasler, they are fucking geniuses. Wayne Bennett, all these guys, they need to, to sit back and watch tape all the time to see who is lazy all the time. To, to see, like, Damien Cook might be the best player in the world for the next 10 years mm. of a quick play of the ball because, you know, every time Damien Cook plays bad is because when they slow the ruck down and he can't run. Mm. Tonga did that. They run rough shots through, through Australia's pack. Damien, Co- Damien Cook couldn't run. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's going to, yeah. they can eradicate all these good players or they can, it can benefit good players. It can, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good rule. But I just, my whole argument is just like, just give it, can we just play the year out? We've got enough fucking dramas as it is. Play the year out. Do it next year. Project but Apollo. Obviously, obviously Project it's, Apollo. Al- it's already, uh, it's already done. They've made the rule. So maybe. What they're trying to do, William, is save money on the referees so that they can buy every single player that's ever played rugby union, which is the new thing that they're talking about. They are saying that rugby league will now go back to the good old days of the early 19th or 20th century when they were poaching rugby union players. They got Dally Messenger. They got you at one point too. That was good. Mm. That worked well. And what they're saying now is that – all of these union players are basically going to come flocking into rugby league because their rugby union is about to collapse. <laughs> Will it happen? I'll give you a tip to all the rugby union players. Stay in rugby union. <laughs> like why the fuck would you come over to a sport that is just dominated by animals? Like it's a, it's a, it's a different game. Like I respect rugby union players. I think they're great talent. And, and everything like that, but like just stay in rugby union. There's like the difference between the like the like just say rugby league and rugby union. Rugby union has about twenty different comps in the world. Yeah. So if you spread all that talent out, it's not as not as good, is it? No, that's right. NRL here, one comp. All the fucking best players are right here. I wouldn't come anywhere near it. I'd go to Japan. I'd go to France. I'd go to Italy. I'd play in all these other comps that are around the world. Enjoy my life, and you could earn just as much money, or probably double, 
and without all the bullshit that comes with rugby league. Because you come over here, the amount of bullshit, the amount of scrutiny that is going to be on your head if you're a young kid coming over the NRL, and the amount of hate that would be pointed towards you as an NRL player, it's not worth it. Because if you come over when I was playing, and I know these kids feel the same, they will tear your fucking head off at training. They'll have no respect for you at all. And that's just the way it is. And I just think union players are union players. Stay in union. Like, you have the opportunity to play in more than 20 competitions in the world. We've got one, and it's the best of the best. Do you know what I love too? Like, three weeks ago, rugby league was going bankrupt. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You read the papers, oh, it's it's going bankrupt, got no money. Now, all of a sudden, they're having a massive raid, and they're going – like, they forget that these – French clubs are owned oh, by billionaires. Mate, that's, that's when we get so caught up in Japan's our own shit. owned get, by major corporations. Like oh, there's I'm so much go more play money for Toyota right and play 14 games and get fucking a million dollars a year. Are you 14 kidding games, me? I know. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, or do you want to come over to the NRL, the most scrut- the most scrutinised game in the whole country? Don't get paid as much and get your head ripped off. Get your head ripped off every single week. Training sessions are hard as fuck. Train way harder in union. Trained way harder in league than union. It is just ridiculous. If I had my choice, I would stay. If I was a union player, no, I don't even want that smoke. I don't want anything to do with it. I would stay unless you were just, you want that challenge, come over, enjoy yourself, and then go back over, go back over to union. Go back and take But just don't, don't stay. I mean, like, league players are a different breed. You know, you guys, you go to GPS schools and, is it GPS? Yeah, yeah. I went to one of them. Yeah. You go there, you do all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's just different. We're bred different. It's a different sort of. It's a different cloth that we're cut with, and and they know that. That's why there's not many good players that come from Union in the last twenty years, or thirty, or fifty years. Garrick Morgan, maybe in fucking. Do, Super do you League. know what? Honestly, I was going to mention. No one comes Garrick to Morgan. league. There's a fucking. There is a real reasonable uh, reason behind this. It's too hard for Union players to adapt. Play Union. Union is a highly skilled game. Don't dumb yourself down to league. But that's the thing, like rugby league back rowers, like you got look at Tepo Mora, he played union the whole time in the centres, he comes to rugby league, he plays in the back row, he's gone back to union, he plays in the centres. If you look at rugby union players, they're Mm. like different body props. Props can't play. No. Garrick Morgan was at one stage, people probably don't remember Garrick Morgan, but he was he was going to have a magnificent Wallabies career. He signed with the South Queensland Crushers, which was his first mistake. He got absolutely flogged. He played reserve grade for tears. He was on massive money and he mm. couldn't make it because he's a union forward. You know what I mean? It just doesn't translate. Yeah, I think I think maybe – I reckon I'm good mates with Matt Gitto, Kirtley Bill, uh, Cooper, um, a few of the boys. They, they'd be, they would have been good union league players. But all if backs. they started – All backs. Yeah. yeah. There's, not one, there's not one forward that I would bring over. No. Not one. Or oh, Artie Savier could play. Sevilla, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I'm talking about Australia. Sevilla can do what he wants. I mean, but why would you risk all what you're doing right now just to come play a game that's fucking famous on the east coast of Australia? Yeah. Go worldwide. Union is like the top five most popular sports in the world. Why would you play rugby? I'm 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 back. I'm I'm all for the union place. Just don't fucking come over. Like, why would you do that? I'm Artie Savi. I'll be like, oh, unless I want to test myself at one World Cup, so I'm the best player in the world. Yeah, come over and test yourself. You get a million dollars a year. But other than that, I'm not like I don't even know half the Wallabies. Yeah, I mean they talk. They're talking about what's the dude who played for Melbourne. They're going, oh, he can come back. The winger, 
Oh, Corabedi. Yeah, Corabedi, can you come back to... Of course he can. He fucking killed it in league, you idiots. He's mm. one of the guys that they put in one of the pitches to try and sell that these guys are going to come back to league. For fuck's sake, get some decent media out there. It's so pathetic at the moment. I just can't... I can't cop it sometimes. It's like, oh, oh really? Can Corabedi play league? Yeah, he's one of the best league wingers for a couple of years. We got it. What else you got? Guys, guys like Curtly Beal, the real deal Curtly Beal could have played, I reckon, in his day. But he's about thirty something now. He's like he's going to stay in the. He can play in the. He's going to he France. Playing the Fran- French comp for another three or four years. Matt Guido could have played. I mean, all these guys were really fantastic backs in the in the two thousands that could have come over. But and, the, and and any of the Fijian wingers easily could come over. Easily, they could easily come over, hands down. But everyone else is in between that. Just stay in Union. Enjoy your life there. Do I look different this week, Will? Um, is it your hair? No, no. Do you know what it is? It's that I look like a winner. Each way or the problem? No, no, no. Are? Well, one was each way, but uh, <laughs> the other one was a winner. So we were two. You are glowing, but you're glowing. Two, yeah. I am glowing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a Bondo burst in my. It head. is, mate. Mate, what I will do now is I will ring Jared. And Jared, he should uh, be happy. He should be happy. You know, at least should he be win. happy? At I least, don't know. This mate, it's a win. Oh yeah, wins a win. I don't give a shit if it's each way or anything like that. I think the punters want to know that we've won something, and the team that we choose know that we've won, and something's coming. But he's got to pay for it. That's why he might not be happy. He cares. He's all right. right. He, he's go. the one. Hey, he said it. Now, there we go. I'll put that there. I'm going to put the headphones on. Profit, profit. Didn't fit my head. Too big. Hmm. Hello? Jared? We cannot hear one thing. (laughs) This is going well so far. All right, let's start again. He's dropped the phone. He's dead. He's just sent me a text message saying he's That's dropped the omen. phone. That's an omen. That's an omen. Does that mean he can't hear us? Do we have to ring him again? Yeah, we'll ring him again. Who drops the phone? This is a bloke. This bloke's in charge, honestly. He's expecting this phone call. He's a prophet, prophet, and he, well, he's obviously. <laughs> Here we go again. Hello? Hey, Jared, how are you, my man? I'm well, guys. How you are dropped, you? You dropped the phone before. How I, many? Of, I dropped the phone, mate. So I was walking upstairs. It gave me a shock. How All many right. of you had here, Jared? Is this because you're about to be in charge of whether or not we get money for a local club? And uh, and I'm concerned that you're dropping phones and walking upstairs. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's disastrous. Sorry about that. Uh, I can I can assure you that I am stone cold sober, and uh, thankfully we are back on track here. Hmm. Now, Jared, when you say back on track, obviously what you mean is that Will and I are now officially yeah. geniuses. Yep. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. Because uh, we've had a couple of wins on the weekend. couple of winners. How good? Yes. It is good. Apparently my one um, it was in a 900-metre race and didn't have a good start. What sort of jockey yeah. does that? Or horse? Yeah. I'm it was a- no good. <laughs> It actually loomed at the top of the straight. Looked like something could have happened, and then well, it had absolutely nothing in the uh, in the. Team. So, so even if it did start, if it started well, it still would have ended shit. 
Yeah, I just don't think it was on that day, unfortunately. That was a big miss, but thankfully, two from no. three home. Oh, two well. from three. And, uh, and Jared, what about Welsh legend? Unlucky to not win that. I would have been even yeah. smarter. Definitely got beaten by a pretty good one though in uh, in Mark's Crusader though, so I don't think uh, I don't think we can be too displeased with that. And, and given that we took a reasonable place price, it's still a, a big tick for our club. It is, and uh, mate, we uh, I mean we're. I'd say we're good at this now, officially. So what we're trying to do is just continue with this amazing run of good form of one from the last seven. And yeah. Will's got... <laughs> all right, I'll go first. Will's, um, got, Will's got a good one for you. All right. So uh, this is the exact message that I got from my mate, House Sailor. Uh, yep. He's the one I've been getting the, uh, the tips off all the time. I love how he's more dropping P- Him or PK. No, fucking both. They're awful. Uh, King of Lear Grants in race six at Flemington. Yeah. Uh, when in a slump, go to the best. D. Oliver on board, and it should be just. And I'll tell you, his grammar is awful. And it should be just winning this race. In the words of the great goat, Tom Brady, LFG, let's fucking go. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Amazing. Um, yeah, look, uh, it, <laughs> this horse actually hasn't raced since March, but he certainly could not have been more impressive earlier in the year. He streeted his rivals over the 3,200 metres of the Adelaide Cup back then. And prior to that, he actually won a race called the Roy Higgins Quality here at Flemington over the 2,600 metres. Look, half the battle with this is staying races like this is actually finding one that's going to see out the distance. We certainly know that this bloke's going to do that. Uh, look, for mine, I think he's probably the class uh, class of the race. The only real threat looks to me like being a horse called Too Close to the Sun. He won the Warrenville Cup pretty easily last, uh, last time out. But I think he might have him covered for class as well. We think two fifty for him at the moment. Well, it's been a pretty okay. good omen for us so this how, season. How, I think uh, on the nose, not bad. How okay. long is this race? It's a twenty-eight hundred meter race. Whoever wins this just gets ballot free entry into the wow. Melbourne Cup at the end of the year. So, so we've yeah, literally no. we've literally gone from backing a horse that was running over about <laughs> one hundred and fifty meters, and now we've gone <laughs> yeah. to uh, almost two mile. That's excellent. We love a cross section. Yeah. <laughs> It's all going extremely well, but I feel like this that that tip's going to win because it's been pretty average from Hass so far. My, I've been tossing up what to do, and I think now that I'm clearly Bart Cummings, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a double, if that's yeah. all right with you. Mask Crusader won well on the weekend, as we know. Yeah. And f- how, here's another French horse, Fatouche. <laughs> Fatouche, yeah, that's right. Fatouche. All right, I'm going the Mask Crusader Fatouche double. What do you reckon? Yeah, nice. yeah look, well, with Mask Crusader particularly, his record just speaks for itself. He's won three of his four so far, both back from a break this season. And like we touched on just before, Ian, he, he actually beat your tip last week uh, by quite a gap as well. It was very impressive. Fatouche's uh, pretty similar, actually. She's also won three of her last four. She resumed at Randwick a couple of weeks ago and absolutely streeted her rivals as well. She won by about three lengths and sort of stood up over the line. Both horses, I think, importantly here, still have improvement. And uh, combining them two together here, $4.40, I absolutely love this. It's a big tick from me. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for the vote of confidence there, Jared. Obviously, you're going to run off my back now because I'm the genius in this group. (laughs) But... uh, now, I was talking to you earlier, and, and last week you were kind enough to, to throw in a punt for yourself, which, you know, your conscience bet because you're awful so far. But uh, what 
has happened now is that I suggested that it might be an idea for you to do the same thing and come out with a with a with a conscience bet and and help us along. Our yeah. producer, mm. who is he's a ten out of ten dickhead, and he has decided <laughs> that he knows more than both William and myself. I and think, he knows, I think he knows more than me. No, hundred percent. Oh well, that'll be proven because yeah. he's he's put a tip in as well. He's uh, paying for it. He's going to pay for it himself. Are you better? Mm. Because it's a it's $1,000. He's talking a good game. So he wants to have $50 on Sikorsky. Thoughts? Sikorsky. Yeah, okay. Look, uh, very good. In the 2018 Spring Carnival, I was actually having a look. When I was doing the previews today, I was having a look into his form. And uh, he actually had 14 months off the track in between, the, obviously, the 2018 Spring Carnival when he turned up this time. But uh, he's actually not been in bad form at all. He ran sixth in a race at Bendigo first, but then he finished second by half a length to a horse called Jumbo Osaki here last time. Now, that horse is a pretty good horse. I think the rise in distance he's going to get on the weekend will certainly suit. And at the $4 mark, there's probably, well, there's definitely worse bets to be had on the weekend. So I actually don't hate it, to be honest. Well... I'm not surprised it's an old horse because the bloke's about 150 years old and he really <laughs> he was bringing up Johnny Famishin from the 30s before. So, well, there we go. So, so I think we have now got uh, a, a double running from me. We've got Will's tip and now we've got the producer's tip running. What are our chances? Yeah. Are you happy, Jared? Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. If, if for some reason we duck egg this week, maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not trying to speak myself up here, but I might drop myself back into the field next week and, uh, but mm. no, look, I, I, I'm pretty confident we might get something home here. I really like the King of Leverance one, Will. Yes. I think you are. I think you might be looking down the barrel of a winner here. I hope so because I don't really watch uh, any of the races either. I just text the I just text the boys. I text Ian. I said, "Did I win? No, you didn't. I'm just sick of the um, <laughs> the disappointments killing me." Do you know what? He, to be fair though, Jared, I need I need to full disclosure. He was two from two on the league betting. Yeah, don't. Hey, so well, once we get back to league and some other yeah. sports, mate, you'll be. It's a different. I'm a different animal then. Oh. Definitely. Well, well, I was having a look at the uh, the spreadsheet just before, and just from these three bets that we've got home on the racing, it's two hundred and seventy five dollars into the kitty for our club, plus whatever you blokes won on the league before I started talking. So, yeah. what's that? Well, is that like, what set of pads, something like that? We're looking at at the moment. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think uh, I mean the main thing we're we're looking at it from a, a longer term perspective, and and we would yeah, probably like, say we'll that pair, some jer- jerseys and hit pads would be. Um, be good. Maybe a new clubhouse if we go all right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're praying for the, uh, the footy to get back if that's going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Jared. Thanks, mate. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, hopefully, uh, we'll hopefully get some winners on the weekend. And as always, we appreciate your support, mate. You and Ned's have been fantastic for us. Beautiful. Thanks, right, guys. And uh, enjoy your weekend. I'll speak to you there. Thanks, yeah. mate. All right. Cheers, guys. Bye. See ya. The Little Black Book continues to deliver. William, I've always loved your Black Book. Yeah, uh, I think in the last, you know, I said it last week, we, we started off with rugby league plays, which was quite easy. But, you know, I've made some really good friends over the you know, last, you know, sort of 20 years. I've been a professional athlete, all, all sports. And, um, you know, uh, Joel Parkinson was one of them. Like John Stefferson, who we're, gonna, who we're just about to ring now. Been friends with him for about 10 years, probably a little bit more. He's... Um, He's a character man. He's one of I think he go he's he should go down as one of Australia's best athletes. 
you know. But I think um, a couple of things that he said, maybe during his career, like this was all we always talk about. It, all this was like in the two thousands when there wasn't any social media, and you had no, you had no platform. Just say like, just say if you said something about me right now, bang, straight on the straight on the tape, and I'll get my story straight out, and I'll just destroy anyone because that's my words. Back then in the two thousands. Whatever the Telegraph or whatever the Herald or anyone was saying about you, people just believed it. Mm. So perception is reality sometimes, and, and and that happened to both of us. So that's why we become really good, close friends. So um, it'd be interesting to talk about him. He's got he's got a lot of things to say, and he's um he's a stand up dude. So let's just give him a ring, see what he's doing. Better fucking answer. One day I'm going to steal your phone and just start pranking, calling famous people. <laughs> it's quite impressive. <laughs> All right, we've got John Stephenson here, good friend of mine, over 10, 10 year relationship here. Man, what's going on? <laughs> Willie Mason, how you doing, brother? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, bro. I'm good. I've been just telling all the boys here, the production team, and my mate Burnsy about um, about a couple of little stories that you told me about uh, the, you know, what happens in the Olympic Games and all that kind of stuff. But that's not for our sort of show. But if you want to tell it later, <laughs> you can if you want. Um, but uh, that's the Willie Mason Burnsy after dark, yeah, that's the after dark, that's the after dark stuff. I was going to get into a couple of things straight away, man. Like, you're 38 years old this year, like, your Olympic Games oh, 2000. Man. Shut up, you make it oh, sound sorry, so crazy. yeah, but like, hey, you're South African, you hey, you, you look, you look all right, you're a black brother, it's good, man. Olympic Games 2004, yeah, uh, Commonwealth Games 2006, World Champs 2009. But it's not like you just turned up like an idiot. Like you got four by four, like the silver, and then you got like the gold medals in Melbourne. You kicked ass like individual gold in Melbourne, like four hundred. That's why we always joke around because we're boys. But fuck yeah. me, I was just reading through all your shit, and I'm like, damn, he should go down as one of Australia's best track and field athletes, man. You know, like what? Yeah. I mean, what? What? I mean, we can get in. We'll get into that later about your mindset and everything. But that mm-hmm. when you sit back right now and you're in your house and and you're just looking at. You're looking at your achievements. Like, what? What do you look at and go? Fuck, that was that was that's a, that's a highlight. That's a highlight. Uh, uh. Man, it's crazy. We like you only you only understand like I guess knowing each other, right? We've always talked about that we're bigger. Are we more than just our sport? Yes. And we're we're very blessed to be able to be celebrated for what we did in our sport. But to be honest, there's people actually doing really heroic things out there in the world. And you and I, we joke around about it. But we, we, we know how our parents, um, what they did to get us to where we are today and what other people are going through. We are the celebrated for something that we've, we were good at, which was our sport, right? Yeah. And, and in this country, we really get around that. Um, so for myself, man, I never even thought I'd make one Olympics, let alone win a medal, right? And um, I'm truly blessed to be able to look back and to be able to really get the best out of myself and not only represent my country, but represent myself at the highest level and know that that has put me in a great position to anything I do post my athletic career because it's given me great confidence to do whatever I want to do, right? So, I mean, it's hearing you talk like that, it's humbling, man, because um, a lot of people, we're not a very educated community in athletics in this country, it's NRL, AFL, now A-League, yeah. and definitely cricket. So a lot of people just 
you know, over the time, they just saw what they saw in the media for myself. And I was quite vocal on how um, our sport was run and, but never really gave me my just views on what I was really going out there to achieve and what I really was putting into the sport for my country. So a lot of the times I, I just, I got to a point where I was like, fuck them and fuck what they think. I'm just going to get what I can for me and whatever's going to be is going to be. And, um, and now when I sit back and look back, I get to. I'm on the, I was on the board of the same federation that banned me. I now consult to the same federation. I was able to create Nitro Athletics, which reached 1.3 million viewers in night one. Um, and on top of that, like I'm still able to have to be on a podcast, which I never thought 15 years ago I'd be able to talk about what I've done in my running and my running career. But if you look back, there's not one sprinter in Australia's history that has as much most major medals as I do in the history of this country, but they'll never talk about that because it's just not that exciting because I didn't win the gold medal. I respect that, that I didn't win the gold medal at Olympic Games, but I fucking bust my ass trying to, I tell you that, and I know I did mm. it clean, that's for sure. I was in Glasgow for the Commonwealth Games, my last major comp. So anyway, you saying and I, we be, over time we became good friends and, um, and he was competing in Glasgow, but took the year off, so he's just running the relay. So anyway, we came we were talking that night before and I was like, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm hoping I can go out there and run, run good. So I ran shit all around Europe. I was just closing the door everywhere I went. I last in Linz, last in Italy. I was just coming last everywhere. So I trained really hard for eight weeks. thought, okay, I at least want to embarrass myself. Long story short, we ran well, became like fifth. And I remember walking off the track and I just heard someone scream across the wall track, John! I was like, and I looked, the hell's calling me? He's like, John! And I turned around and he goes, you suck. <laughs> and, I was, and that's the way it was me. My career, man. <laughs> the fast man in the world telling me I suck. And that was it. So I knew, I knew, um, I knew that I knew that was my last race. I think he was trying to lighten the moment because I was pretty emotional because that was an end of an era for me. And I knew I wasn't good enough anymore. And, um, I was able to leave my career, like Lisa, the major champs. And then I was really blessed, man, because the year before, I got to do uh, Celebrity Apprentice because I got banned. And that really catapulted me into um, getting a little of my demographic reach changed. Bernsey, to answer your question, I was pleased yeah, I yeah. had that, which then put me onto wide order sports um, post Celebrity Apprentice and then allowed me to do some TV stuff. Otherwise, I reckon I would have been forgotten or remembered as that loudmouth kid that told everybody to get fucked, to be honest with you. But I was able to have the medium of Channel 9 and Apprentice and which is sad, really, but I was able to have that medium to actually be able to show a different side of who I was, and that was athletic John, and this is this is like John Stephenson, if that makes sort of yeah, sense. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's wind the clock back. Just say when John Stephenson was, you know, maybe 15, 16 years old, growing up in Perth, South African mm. parents, immigrants. You know, you're Australian born. You know, growing up over over in Perth trying to get in, you know, maybe AFL, there's other sports there, there's not, not rugby league. How did you get into athletics? And when you got into athletics, what drove you so much to get to the top? Look, like, you're, we ain't talking to, I'm not talking to a person who was like, you know, New South Wales champ, Perth champ, whatever. Like, you got to the Olympic Games, you know, Commonwealth Games, World Championship Games. Like, the 16-year-old John Stephenson, what was his mindset at that time? Did he want to, did he want to play AFL? Did he want to, or did he want to win a gold medal in the 400, which is the hardest fucking thing you can run? You chose that. <laughs> <laughs> we always I talk about it. Poorly, but, really, man. Yeah. But like, just as that 16 year old John Stephenson thinking, like, what, what were you thinking? What was your mindset? What were you focused on? 
big man. I wasn't into I wasn't into athletics. I thought yeah. it was the girliest sport one could do, man. Like I was like, I remember I got tickets to Sydney Olympics to watch the like the athletics. My cousin gave them to me, and I was like, who the hell watches athletics, man? That's the most corniest thing one could watch. I promise. So you're you, like Anna seventeen. I, so you're seventeen at this time, so you don't even care I'm about 17. athletics. I'm seventeen. Wow, I'm not, okay. man. I'm not even. Yeah. I'm watching boxing. I go to the boxing semi-finals and finals at Sydney Exhibition Center and I convention center in Darling Harbour, and I watch all the boxing, man. That was my love. Was fighting because I started okay. boxing as a kid from when I was twelve. And but I still, again. It was there were grandiose ideas, right, of becoming a, a sportsman. But I remember watching Danny Green fight. He fought a, a Russian by the name of Alexander Levziak, and it was to a packed Sydney Convention Centre. And I remember watching the parochial Australian crowd, and I was like, "Wow, I need some of this. If I can get this somehow in professional sport, this is just the business. Like the the place. I mean, it was it was nuts. I got I got shivers. I ended up watching the crowd, not the fight." Danny Green ends up losing, and it was still epic, right? And I remember that I, that, that was a poignant time in my life where I was like, I, I'd love to be a professional athlete. Did I have the vehicles to become them? No. Was I playing like like elite sport? No. I, I made state team for boxing, but I had no one guiding me or pathways telling me this is how you become or lineage in my family that said, okay, this is how you become a champion athlete. So it was just really a wish and a prayer. And I then went on to normal kid shit you know finish my hsc try to be a personal trainer and did all that and um i remember i got my ass whipped when i was 19 in boxing boxing fight i didn't train i was drinking trying to chase girls and i got my ass whipped and um i remember my dad just shaking his head at me and looking at me like like man you're like you're embarrassing you know what i mean like he, my dad was pretty hard on me and and I remember this thinking, shit. And then I just, I just had a moment. I was in my backyard, and I just was like, I was twenty at this time. And I just had a moment, and I thought, I, I met this girl, and I really liked it. She did athletics, so I went to go watch her. And I just remember thinking, shit, man, I wonder if I can beat these cats. And I just went down and ran barefoot, and I came forth, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, did you not know like, you could run or what? You figured I it out at 20? Move, brother, but we all think we can yeah. move until you actually put yourself in okay. that position, yeah? Everyone thinks they play rugby, Willie, until yeah. they meet you, right? Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it, 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 you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I was thinking the same thing. And then I came forth, and I remember thinking, these guys are the Institute of Sport, like Waste, Western Australian Institute of Sport. And I'm thinking, shit, man, like, I don't even train, and I just was on their ass. I'm thinking, I wonder if so. Well, you know, went back, read some books, and I trained in the park for six weeks, and then I ended up like just beating two of them and one of the guys beat me and then I ended up making like the national like to go to nationals Australian championships yeah. and I came I came ninth there and then I, I got into waist and I got like a four grand check and a t-shirt and I was wrapped I was like oh that's what's up <laughs> and then and then I was like um I just oh fuck I wonder if I train with the best in Australia if I'll be the best in Australia so then I went and flew to Sydney slipped on my auntie's couch and then I was traveling two and a half hours to Narrabeen from fucking Bexley every day, right? Catching trains and shit to Narrabeen. Do you know exactly what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That train. is a lot. A lot. And back then, the, the, the transport was goofy, bro. So I was going all the way out there. <laughs> In your bus to bus. Narrabeen. It was five hours a day of travel, bro. And I was going there training and with Michael Kamel and Matt Shervington and them cats. And 
Um, and then boom, I made the Australian team in 12 months. And that's only 12 months of running. So now when I got to world championships, I saw the best in the world was, was Maurice Green and John Smith. So I went and go talk to him and said, like, hey, look, I want to be the best in the world. I practically begged him and eventually he took me. And then I moved to America and slept in a car for a little bit in America, did all that. And then, yeah, try to become the best in the world. And then uh, like 18 months later, I was a top eight in the world. And then I think 22 months later, I was number one in the Commonwealth. Wow. And, if- and I never ran before. I never did I never did juniors, nothing like that. I just played sport, ran in school and boxed. That was kind of my thing. It's a bit crazy, but like your sport – in particular, I know like in NRL, like there's, there's rumors about some people and you and, I, and I'm exactly like you. I would never throw anyone under the bus unless I 100% knew it was them. I would say it right now. But like athletics, it's, you know, you have a look at that 100-meter final, the 200-meter final, everything like that. You know everybody's sort of semi-juicing, you know what I mean? It's like it'd be hard for an athlete like you who was clean your whole career to then roll up at the at the four hundred meter final, knowing there's a, you know six or seven of these dudes that have, have been cheating, you know, like the most, and I think that's why you're so respected in your sport because because of that factor. I know a lot of I, know, I speak to a lot of young athletes who are in Australia, a lot of um, young women that are Olympic athletes and young guys. They're like, yeah, man, Johnny Steph's a man. Because of what you did during the 2000s, because I was speaking to the guys before, I mean, you had like a parallel career. You're an athlete, and then I was uh, a rugby league player. But we were these two dudes that we just said whatever, whatever, whatever was in not in our head, but we're speaking the truth at that time. But people just didn't want to fucking hear that shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's, and, it's a bit different. We're unlucky, man. And we were talking about this the other day. We didn't have the yeah, media. We saw, so I was, I was just saying, had. social media. How important? Yeah. This is my whole point. Social media, which it's it's a, it's you know it's it's good and it's bad. But just saying the two thousands when you were just getting you were just getting taken out of context. So was I. It was like and and we we take accountability for whatever we said, but we believe in what we say. But like, imagine if you had platforms like this. If you try and get me, if you try and get me on anything at the moment now, I'll fuck you up with my podcast. Or I'll put you on or Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> I don't care. But back then it was like. We're going to get you on the Telegraph, the Herald, Channel 9, Channel 7, everyone. And they'll get you and you had to sit back and just wear it. How did Man, you feel? I can't, tell you, I can't tell you how many journalists I told her to get fucked by then in my career. Uh, and and I, look, I, I don't advise any young kid to, to take the path that I took. It's just what I believed in. But, and, I, and, you know, for me... I, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was. I'd pick up the paper and read stuff about myself and hate myself, brother. I'd be like, this guy's a cockhead, you know. What I'm like, <laughs> so I don't blame anybody else. I don't blame anybody else thinking that, you know. Like, and so I didn't help myself at times too, but it was my truth, you know. Yeah. It, 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 it was, it was what. Like and a lot of the times they're taking out sound bites or grabs. That's what I'm saying. It's all um, clickbait and shit. Like that's what I'm yeah, saying. Now, all, right all now, you're on this podcast. It's like listen to the fucking podcast and you'll hear yeah. what I said. But no, when I you're mean, talking to the Telegraph, they're going to take out clickbait and go, all right, this is it. And all people do is they read headlines. They don't give a shit about the fine print. So yep. it was just, yep. it was just that, um, it was, I, it's just I, that I made, time, wasn't it? I made the it? Telegraph, I made Fairfax and, and News Corp a lot of money, brother. I'll tell you <laughs> yeah, that. So I'm sure you did too. <laughs> so it's like, you know, like it's just, it's just, it's just, yeah. I mean, look, you, you listen, man, we're strong enough to deal with it and I, I got over it. I mean, yeah, I was man. confident in myself and, and, and moved on um, with my life and yeah, I had to wear people talking shit but at the same time, man, I, I was blessed. I had a lot of sponsors that believed in me yeah. and, and didn't care because they knew who I was as a person and I looked, at the end of the day, that all that mattered is and what that's... my family thought. What my, what, look, when people close around me 
started checking me, then I'd pull up. You know what yeah. I mean? But but I very seldom have people close to me um, who I confide in tell me that I'm yeah. bang out of order. You know what I'm saying? So um, I was I was pretty. But I mean, these young blokes these days—they're blessed. I mean, they've got all the forums and mediums now to really get their messaging out there, and it's—it's it's important that they get educated around that, and um, and and use it to their best ability to, to give the younger kids that are coming through the opportunity to um, to not have to go through what we went through, to be able to tell the truth, get a true story out there, um, and you know, and 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 potentially get the best out of themselves, brother. All right, man, man. I really appreciate your time, Johnny. You're one of the best blokes, brother. Appreciate no it, man. Worries, my man. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you, Blandy. bro. Thanks, keep mate. Doing what you're doing, bro, because people need to hear the truth. And like I said, man, I think, um, you know, you, I know you were telling me, but you need to take some of your own advice, what you have to offer the sport of rugby, um, what do you have to, have to offer the Australian sporting community with what you've gone through, what you know, both on and off the field. Um, I think it's really, really interesting. And I commend you, Bernsey, for you guys working together to make sure you create and, and keep developing this medium, this podcast that you have to continue that that focus in making that change. And if you don't start with this, it's going to be the same old BS and humdrum that is yeah. out there. And I think I commend you what you're doing, my brother. I'm proud of you. Right. And it was absolutely nothing for me to get on this podcast and do this, brother. So I keep doing your damn thing, Willie Mason. Appreciate Thanks, it, brother. Keep, Good keep on you, Johnny. Honest, brother. I'm oh, doing man. my best, Love you, mate. Bro. All right, yes, See sir. Cheers, bud. Thanks, bro. Once again, we've managed to have one of the world's best sportsmen on and we've managed to have a conversation that went longer than we expected. I think you can all look out. We'll definitely have that one up as a special. Uh, We really think that you should hear everything that John said because he's a magnificent human and we're very lucky to have him. Mate, what do you got for us this week? Kangaroo uh, tarts. Well, we did promise the, the people that I was going to come up with some something this week. We didn't have uh, that much time last week, but... I don't really remember what year it was, so I've been on four of them. So I don't think you, I don't think anyone will ever put this together. So fuck yous. Um, uh, I think about twelve, maybe twelve or thirteen of us went to Amsterdam on our little break. Here we go. Yeah, so I think that's all you got to say. I probably could end it there, and you could probably fill in. <laughs> a, you could probably fill in everything else. And I'm talking, it was the who's who of rugby league when you think about it now. It's like, yeah, you got some, you know, you're, if you're on a kangaroo tour, you're one, of, you're one of the best, you know, 30, uh, 25 to 30 players in the country or, or probably in the world at, the, at that time because Australia were dominating so much. So we go to Amsterdam. Um, obviously, we, we want to experience everything and it was right at culture. the Culture. It's just the culture and just looking at the sideways buildings, if it was real <laughs> or did you have to, are they really built like that or do I have to take something to, for, for it to, to be like that? Straighten up. Anyway, I think they straightened up by the end of yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the Eiffel Tower. Um, anyway, so we go... So people just sort of split, you know, there's the red light district, walking past there. Obviously, I'll say, like, there's little people involved in this story. You know, that was, you know, there's one of those little people in the red light district, in the fucking in window. window. In the window. In a window. For like those who don't school. know, there's windows. There's windows. If people who don't can... know if you go to Amsterdam, you go to red light district, it's, it's, there's, you. It's a shop you, front. It's, it's a shop front, yeah. You can see what you buy, pretty much. There could be, uh, um. A little person. It could or, be normal know, women. There could also. be normal women. There could <laughs> be a there could be, there could be a bloke. There could be a trans uh, transvestite. Anything. Whatever it's fucking you anything, man. It's Whatever crazy. So I'm the first time I've been in Amsterdam. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? A lot of the boys were exactly the same. I think about probably maybe two out of the thirteen or fifteen people that went there. 
were were a little bit stunned. We're like, what? What the hell? Anyway, so a few of the boys went into that little person place and probably just to have a look around. I'm not sure if they did anything, but whatever. <laughs> but they just they went, yeah. Boys, I said, hey, what just the fuck? I think they went in just to have a laugh because out of interest, I think their curiosity would have got the best, culture. best of better of them. They were just experiencing the culture. Um, a few of us go to uh, we go to um, a cafe. You can order whatever you want. You can. You know, have you been have you been to Amsterdam? Oh, I have been to Amsterdam. Well, so you know what I'm talking about. So I stop do. looking at me in those Not eyes. With, no, it's all right. All right, the producers here laughing their asses <laughs> off because I think they've been to Amsterdam as well. So uh, at that time, it was a is it a bidet? What they used in 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 a, France? A bidet. To bidet. That's a what toilet. You, that's a what specific. You yeah, it's a toilet. toilet. To clean, yeah, to clean your, your to clean your ass after you've done a number two, whatever. Anyway, I'm learning so much on this. So one, this one of the boys, one of the fun. boys thought it was a urinal and hung a shit in it, right, and blocked it all up. So <laughs> the, <laughs> he thought it was the toilet. He thought it was the toilet. It's he a thought, it's a legitimate mistake to make. Legitimate. After you've been sitting there for four or five hours, he goes, "All right, boys, we've got to go." And we didn't know why, but it was because he blocked up the whole. You're in the coffee shop at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like five o'clock in the afternoon. So that was that night. And then we lost a few people. So we're still going out. I'm not, not mentioning any sort of names. This whole, this, this went, this is the only one night. I'm only going to give you one night. So a lot of boys went to Red Light District just to have a look around. A lot of boys went to cafes. We all met up back later. We're all doing whatever. We're ordering stuff from the menu, which you could order. And blokes were sideways. It was the funnest <laughs> shit I've ever seen in my life. And um, the, those buildings looked straight as hell. Uh, we all, and then we all split. And then I come home. I come back. We, me, and a couple of boys come back to the hotel. And then there's one of the boys in the foyer. In the ele- the elevator wouldn't close. Wouldn't close because he's in the middle of the elevator. Eating a pot plant, thinking it was fucking food. <laughs> We're like, and if I mentioned his name, you wouldn't have a fucking clue, and you would never expect it from him. Which was funny as fuck. I think that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I was like, no way, is that? <laughs> and then we went, yeah, it is. So people are walking around him like it was normal. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, well, that's pretty normal. Just guy in the middle of a, a really nice um, hotel. And he's eating a pot plant in the middle, thinking it was a bag of chips. <laughs> I was grab said, "Hey, inside, back upstairs." Next minute, we don't know where one of the. Um, so this is the whole night's gone. So we're go to sleep, whatever. Wake up the next day, going, "Where the fuck is beep, whatever?" And we're worried as fuck. We're worried so <laughs> so because once we left the cafe, we didn't know what the fuck was going on. And the next minute, it's the morning. A lot of shit happened in between that, pot plant eating, all that kind of stuff. There's fucking people in the red light district. It was fucking crazy. Um, and then uh, we go, fuck, where is he? So back then, like the phone, I think I think phones were that. I mean, not like it is now. You could just message or whatever. You know, you could search for them or whatever. They'd answer their phone, no phone. So we're driving around Amsterdam in, in a cab. The next minute where we see old mate who is probably – I'm not even nearly going to give you anyone a clue. I see this big six foot fucking 10 dude with him. And he has no shirt or or pants on. (laughs) 
he just he's in his jocks walking with this dude who is fucking monstrous. And I'm like, we're just thinking, wow, the fuck is happening here? So I jump out of the car all fucking just like, what the fuck's going on? What'd you do? And he just spoke, he goes, man, I just seen, I, I, I think he was from, he was Dutch and he spoke pretty good English. So I've seen, I've seen, I, I seen your friend and he was in the park. He was looking at the tree for hours. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Um, I say, where are you from? Where you're going? I'm not sort of fucking accent that is, but I don't know where he is. He tell me he, he stay here. I walk along the street. Then now you guys here. I said, get in the fucking cab. <laughs> we went back to the hotel and I said, where are your pants and shirt and shoes? Anything. Wallet, don't know, don't know, don't know. Uh, we fucking lasted one or two nights, and we just got the hell out of there. It was, it was it probably was, for the best. It was. I said, if that's day one, get me out. <laughs> now I've been thinking as we come into the NRL season. Uh, you know, obviously the last six weeks have been interesting, and I've been thinking about you know where we want to take the t- the take. Um, and where we've been going with it, we've, we've been speaking to, to a lot of athletes. And I mean, at the start, it was just going to be us two talking about rugby league and just, you know, just having a good old chat. But I mean, I just want, I want the take to be one of those places where athletes can come on and feel comfortable knowing that there's no agenda and we're not one of those, uh, media outlets that's going to listen to every single word and cut out all this, all these, uh, little quotes and have, just, just for for our agenda to have oh, clickbait, so we get more views and all that shit. We're not about that. I'm not about that, and people know that. And I think as the show goes on and grows, they'll understand that. And people who know me know that I'm not about that. So that's where I think that the take is really going in that direction. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the whole year. I mean, we're going to get guests on all the time, and hopefully they're going to be sitting here in the studios. But if not, it's going to be a phone call. So. It's been um, it's been good. Thank you once again for listening to us. We appreciate all your support. You can catch us on iTunes. You can catch us on Spotify. You can catch us on all your great SoundCloud, MySpace, <laughs> all your great SoundCloud things. Please rate and review us. What we're going to do this week, seeing as I'm now the genius tipper, is we're going to put all of our tips up on the social media pages so that you can also gamble responsibly. And, oh, of course, of course. And get on our tips because obviously now after one win, we are geniuses. Yes. I'll be following Willie more and more. Aurora! Back in the NRL is Willie Mason. I've forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie... The Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25 minute man. Fuck. Oh, you got skill, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for you. You've been listening to The Take with Willie Mason and co host Ian Byrne. Produced by Craig Trewick, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker of Green Room Sydney, and presented by the Handshake Media Network. 